Hi, I'm Charles. Hi, I'm Bailey. And you are listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where each week we pick out a fear and explore it. This week we are talking about cryptids. Now, listen, you had said that word to me multiple times when picking topics, hello, topics, picking topics, and um, you were saying cryptids. I never heard that word before, and I didn't, it, to me, I thought a cryptid was like, <laughs> I don't know, like an old, like, hermit person, like somebody who's like, oh, don't. T- Are you, were you confusing a, a cryptid with the crypt keeper? No, I did not confuse it with a crypt keeper. I don't know, I just, a cryptid it sounds like an old person left in a building. No, I don't know what that means. I just... Huh. Cryptid. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a topic that you would be interested in, so I was surprised by it when you never picked it, but it turns out you just didn't know what it was. Yeah, you would explain it, and then I'd forget immediately what it meant, and then I'd be like, a cryptid? What the hell is that? Like, I don't... And it makes it seem like something to be like, I don't want to grow up and be like a cryptid, you know, when I'm old. <laughs> oh but God. now that I know what a cryptid is, I think I might want to grow up to be a cryptid when I'm older. Yeah, there would be worse things to be, for sure. Let me ask you this. What are you scared of today? Day, day, you know, day. every week I forget that we do this. Um, and I'm I never don't. prepared for it. I know, you never forget. Um... Yeah, I catch you on the spot. I'm I'm uh, I'm not really afraid of anything this week. I'm working a lot this week, so I'm just. I guess I I'm afraid that I won't get enough like rest. Uh, but that's life. <laughs> so nothing too crazy this week. That's a good one. I mean, it uh pales in comparison to what you were afraid of last week. Um, yes, I contain multitudes. I'm afraid... Well, now randomly... Okay, so a little bit. My dad's in the hospital. I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine. Um, But my best friend had said... Because her wedding is coming up soon. And she was like... Like, um, hey, like, I would understand, like, just in case. Like, you probably already know this. But, like, just in case if anything did happen, I would understand... If you had to like cancel like not be in the wedding and I'm like the best man right and I was like oh that hadn't really crossed my mind I was like she was like well I'm not saying like anything's gonna happen and I was like no like I just um I really just hadn't thought of that as a possibility but it is a possibility to think of so um I said we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there <laughs> if, and hopefully we never get there um yes hopefully yeah, my dad listens to this podcast. Not currently. Well, we might think that's are funny. thinking of him, and we wish him a speedy and full recovery. Or as we say in my classroom, we wish you well, we wish you well, all through the day today, we wish you well. We hope to see you tomorrow. Do you sing that about, <laughs> do you sing that about like, absent children, or is that just what you say at the end of the day? Absent children. <laughs> We do, um, we, like, clap, and we say, like, um, like, Jimmy's here today, Jimmy's here today, 
We're so happy that Jimmy's here today. Miss Bailey's here today. And we do that with everyone in the class. And then if someone's gone, they're just, they just don't exist that day. We don't talk about the absent children. Oh, one of my favorites. You don't talk about the absent children. You're like, wait, they're dead to us today. They didn't come to school. <laughs> they don't get mentioned. Um, one of my favorites with preschoolers is doing... Um, I learned it from another teacher. Like, you say the kid's name, and you, so you'll be like, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey in the middle. And then you'll, like, come to the middle of the carpet. Let me see you jump. Let me see you wiggle. Turn around and sit back down. And you'll do that with, like, every kid so they have a chance to, like, get in the middle and jump and wiggle and then go sit down, which is cute. That's cute. There's Albus. Guys, I wish you could see Albus. I know you can't see podcasts. Um, you can only hear them. <laughs> And I'm glad that you can, I am glad that you're listening, but Albus's dumb little furry white cat face, that little gray spot on the top, is just something, something nice. He's always lurking nearby. He is. I heard that, like, cats like to do, um, like, they like to copy what you're doing, so that's why they will, like, lay on your laptop when you're using it, or, like, uh, they're always, like lay on something that you're using because like they want to use it too so some people have like made tiny laptops for their cats and the cat will go and like lay on the laptop on that their own laptop which is funny i've done that you have yeah i did that for albus i have like a little chromebook so sometimes when i'm on my laptop if he keeps getting on it i'll pull out the chromebook and he'll lay on that it works <gasps> don't make me pull out the chromebook he's like He's a copycat. No. <laughs> Not the copycat. That was good. Thank you. Maybe that that's just where the saying that? comes from. <laughs> maybe that wasn't like smart at all. Maybe that's just what it is. Maybe so. Or maybe the copycat is a cryptid. And listen, we have some facts and figures on some cryptids, okay? Um so if you didn't know what a cryptid was, I don't even know if we said it yet. It's not an old person who is stuck in a house. It is defined from Merriam-Webster as an animal such as Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. And speaking of Sasquatch, according to a 2018 survey of American fears conducted by Chapman University, 21% of Americans believe that Bigfoot is a real creature. And, like, that's, like, a big thing here, too, in Oklahoma. Like, the Squatch people. There's, like, Sasquatch stickers and, like, Sasquatch everything. I've never seen him. Except somebody had, like, a a Sasquatch silhouette in a field by where one of my um, aunts lives. I made a TikTok because I filmed it. It scared the crap out of me because it looks like just a giant nine-foot-tall Sasquatch just lurking through the fields. And when you're driving by it... It appears to be moving through the trees. Um, So very scary. While there are no phobias of, like, no named phobia of cryptids specifically, one that comes pretty close is terophobia, or maybe terophobia, because it's only got one R. Um, It's the fear of monsters, which is common in young children and tends to subside as one gets older. However, some teens and adults still do suffer from this as well. As a preschool teacher true um some cryptids turn out to be real creatures whose existence is verified by science animals once considered cryptids include the okapi or okapi um it's a relative of the giraffe and it really does look like even looking at real pictures of it it doesn't look real um 
it looks like a combination no, of like it looks a horse, like, like a photo zebra. It does. Um, they also thought the um, platypus and the giant squid and the Komodo dragon also uh, never once like existed, but they they do. Um, they even found a giant squid once, and they laid it out on a cold table. Other real animals served as inspiration for cryptids. For example, legends of mermaids are commonly believed to be inspired by manatee sightings. And look, I love a manatee. They are so freaking cute. Like, I just want to, uh, I want to ride one. Yeah, I swam with them in Florida once. And it was, they're really playful. Um, like, they will come up underneath you and, like, bump you as a way to play with you um they'll swim right alongside you and let you like pet them they're so fun they're like the sweetest they're so nice they're called sea cows I know. cows are also real nice um we love a cow we do love a cow but not to eat i do you um so besides the cryptid that you have today um <clears throat> do you believe in like any other ones I don't know. I mean, I like to think that there are animals that we haven't like discovered yet because it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't know if I necessarily believe in in any particular cryptid. Sometimes I think the chupacabra is real. Oh, the chupacabra! I forgot about the chupacabra. I was um, obsessed with the chupacabra when I was a kid. I wasn't obsessed, but I did find it interesting it's sort of like is that only like relative to mexico i think so mexican bigfoot when i was a kid i used to i would like run around chanting el chupacabra el chupacabra El chupacabra. okay but like so did i i didn't chant it but like i would be like el chupacabra like all the time because i heard it from one of my friends and their family was from panama just fun to say it is chupacabra it just it rolls out of the mouth really nice just like the word grotesque uh yeah i don't i don't get that one i don't have that the same say it grotesque see it hits like the g er yeah i'm aware of the letters in the word i just don't feel it it's as satisfying as you do um i think i kind of believe in sasquatch really yeah like it's not that crazy to think of some kind of like I don't think it looks like how we think it looks like, but right. I, I do think it's very reasonable. Um, we do have a lot of like just land here because North America is huge. Like it is just a very large uh, continent, so it's very reasonable for me to think that in all of this like large. Uh, really like mostly unoccupied land that there is just some sort of like soft spoken primate like thing just hanging out yeah i mean that are those fresno things what fresno things the the um oh what are they called fresno night night walkers night stalkers midnight tokers um definitely not a night stalker it's I think it's Nightwalker. They look like strange. <laughs> There's videos of them. Um, they look like strange pairs of like white pants. It's like a <laughs> like a white like a white parabola, just kind of walking through the woods. 
Interesting. I've never heard of these. I I do. I will say that like, I acted like it was crazy that you would believe in Bigfoot, but then I'm pretty sure I've said on an earlier episode that I kind of think Bigfoot might be real. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have said that. Um, but it's it's really not that crazy, at least that one. And maybe like, I, I feel like mermaids is a tad crazy. I would love for mermaids to be real. And the ocean, like we all know, it's only like 10% percent discovered now um and there are some like creepy weird things in the ocean but like i don't know if there is some kind of aquatic humanoid it definitely doesn't look like the mermaids that we think of like complete just like half fishtail half human it's got to be way more weird and aquatic looking like Mm -hmm. i get you there is a depiction of a merman in my favorite movie cabin in the woods and it it does it's like not beautiful it's like a weird fish man creature i think that that's more realistic yeah sort of like the zoras in legend of zelda even though they have like a large weird head thing um so relative to that, to anybody, and shout out to my Legend of Zelda fans. Uh, so I go first this week. Yes, I am excited to hear, because I don't know, you know what mine is. I don't know what yours yes, is. Yes, and I... I showed you mine and you didn't show me yours. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you mine right now. Um, I have a would you rather. Okay. Okay, assuming that either one you pick, they like love you. They like adore you. Would you rather be married to a witch or a devil? Um, this is a question I've never been presented with before. <laughs> um, a witch or a devil? But, like, they're nice to you. Like, they love you, regardless. I'm going to go. The devil is really appealing. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like I'm going to go with witch. Which was what I first wanted to choose in my mind. So we're going to go with a witch. Gotcha. I I thought you would pick the devil because you're like so into like uh, Sabrina. Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're always talking about about signing your name in the book. Obviously not for real. Book of the Beast. Yeah, because it's not a real book. Um, I, yeah, I know. Both seem appealing some kind of like demon boyfriend it's cool yeah nightly you know weekend trip to hell kind of see what's going on down there sometimes hell sounds Um, fun i know it's supposed to be like torturous but it seems like all of the cool people are going there and yeah but what if it weren't torturous you know it just seems fun because like right everyone that i like is going there bosses and people that i really don't like Maybe there's, like, different sections. But is this, like, um, well, I love this. I mean, it's, like, cave, cavernous, right? So I think it is supposed to be, like, different sections. There's, like, uh, well, and there's, like, the nine circles of Hell and Dante's Inferno. Yeah, because, like, if I go, I want to hang out with the queers, but, like, I don't want to hang out with Hitler. Right, not with the, the murderers, unless it's, like, a cool murderer. Like, that one lady who helped poison abusive husbands yeah in italy she can hang she's cool um she does pass the vibe check um but what i want to know is if i'm choosing which is it like realistic witch that we have like here or is it like actual cool like spell caster looking 
like they have ma- fly on a broom kind of witch. Powers. Great. We're going witch. Into it. Full-blown witch. Yeah. We're going to take it. I like that for you. Which one are you going to choose? I think I would also choose witch. We always choose the same. Which I tried to pick one that I thought we would choose differently. Well, I, in my would you rather, I don't know, honestly, which one you will choose. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but I think I, I think I would definitely pick which. But this is two very interesting topics to choose between. Mm. So reveal. Okay. <laughs> reveal it to me. So today I'm going to tell you about the Jersey Devil. I don't know much about this one, so I'm excited. Okay, uh, so my sources were Wikipedia and weirdnj.com. I... A lot of my report is actually about, like, the lore, um, and uh, which I'll go a lot into the drama of um, 18th century almanac publishing, but don't turn off the podcast yet because i think it's actually surprisingly interesting <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile on npr um but okay first let me just tell you about like the legend of the jersey devil um okay so it was originally referred to as the Leeds devil which we'll talk about why um and it is a cryptid that is said to inhabit the pine barrens region of new jersey so the origin story is that in 1735, a Pine Barrens resident called Mother Leeds fell pregnant for the 13th time. Now, some... The 13th time. Yes. Some versions say that Mother Leeds was part of a poor family and that she was married to a drunkard. Other versions say that she was a witch and the child's father was the devil. Um, but regardless of the surrounding circumstances, it's generally agreed upon that she was pretty unhappy to be pregnant yet again and she exclaimed let this one be the devil which i'm assuming is like a 1735 version of fuck this kid right (laughs) um okay so she says that and then a few months go by and she's forgotten about the whole like cursing my kid to be the devil thing um and then she gives birth on a dark and stormy night of course. To a seemingly healthy baby boy. However, within minutes, the baby starts shape-shifting into this horrific beast. It quickly grows, like, really big. It starts growling and screaming. It sprouts horns and claws and bat-like wings. The head transformed into that of a beastly goat. Some versions say horse and it's uh, instead of goat. And its eyes glowed red. Uh, some versions also say that it had a forked tail with which it beat the people in the room. And um, <laughs> other versions also <laughs> other versions say that the beast killed its mother and tore the midwives limb from limb before flying away up the chimney. My goodness, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And bas- basically all versions are like this woman, curses, mother leads, curses her child to be the devil. The baby's born. It looks normal. It turns into this like hideous beast and it flies up the chimney. And now it roams New Jersey's Pine Barrens region. Okay. So now I'm going to get into who the Leeds like, family might actually be um, and who mother leads might actually be. Okay. So we actually know that there was a real Leeds family among New Jersey's earliest settlers. And there are Leeds descendants still in New Jersey today. 
Um, Mother Leeds has been identified by some as Deborah Leeds. Um, and this was because there was a Deborah Leeds and her husband, Jafet Leeds, had, had 12 children that were named in her writing by Jafet uh, around 1736. And that makes sense with the legend because the devil is said to be the 13th child. Deborah and Jafet Leeds also lived in the Leeds Point section of what is uh, now Atlantic County, New Jersey, which is a common location of the Jersey Devil stories. So that's one possibility. Okay. Another theory uh, by Brian Regal, a historian of science at Keene University um, of the origin. Cool name. Yeah, very cool. There's a lot of cool names um, in this. So uh, his theory of the origin of the Leeds Devil legend has to do with Benjamin Franklin, almanacs, and nasty religious disputes. Okay, at first I thought it was just going to be ben- Benjamin Franklin, and now all I can picture is a flying winged bat creature with <laughs> Benjamin Franklin's face terrorizing neighborhoods of the Northeast. Yeah, um, no, but that that would be hilarious. Um, so this theory, I, I it's so dramatic and interesting to me. But in order to understand, we we really have to get into the drama of the almanac world. So, basically, beginning in the 17th century, the Pine Barrens area is crawling with Quakers. Okay? Yes. So, Daniel Leeds is a Quaker, and he is, like, a pretty well-known, prominent person in pre-revolution area of colonial southern New Jersey. Well... In 1687, Daniel Leeds uh, publishes almanacs containing astrological symbols and writings. Now, the Quakers hate this. Um, They say that the astrology in the almanacs is too pagan and is therefore blasphemous. And so the almanacs were censored and even destroyed by the local community. Wow. (laughs) So Quakers hate astrology. Um, Now, Daniel... He's pissed about the censorship. He's like, you guys don't like pagan stuff? Well, I'm going to do pagan stuff even harder. So he publishes astrological Christian writings, and he becomes increasingly fascinated with Christian occultism, Christian mysticism, cosmology, demonology, and angelology, and natural magic. So he starts publishing writings on all of these topics. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, So the Quakers hate that. And uh, they continue to, like, censor and destroy his works for blasphemy and uh, heresy. Um, So he's like, you know what? Daniel's like, I'm not even going to be a Quaker anymore. Clearly, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So he converts to Anglicanism. And then he goes even farther by publishing anti-Quaker pamphlets. And um, so this is, like, pre-revolution colonial America. And so he also accuses the Quakers of being anti-monarchy. So... Um, which they were. So uh, they're pretty pissed at him for like publishing um, materials that suggest that being anti-monarchy is a bad thing. Um, and so they call him a traitor for aiding the crown and rejecting Quaker beliefs. And uh, the Quaker Burlington meeting of Southern New Jersey then dismisses him and his writings as evil. 
What did he say about the oats? <laughs> Do you feel good about that? Yes. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> uh, okay. The Quaker Oats. He had nothing to say about the oats. Um, to my knowledge. That wasn't the issue. So, he is basically written off as like an evil dude. In 1716, his son, Titan Leeds, also a cool name. Titan Leeds? Mm-hmm. Cool name. Yeah, very cool. So he inherits his father's controversial almanac business, which was a weird sentence to write. Um, he, <laughs> he, he continues to publish um, astrological content in his almanac, but this time he actually does gain some traction, and it eventually becomes a primary competitor against Benjamin Franklin's <gasps> Poor Richard's Almanac. And that's a popular one. Yes, that was a big one. Um, so, thus, a bitter rivalry is born in the 16th, or sorry, in the 18th century almanac world. Oh, man. It's crazy in almanac world. It's getting so spicy in the almanac world. Okay. So, Benjamin, <laughs> my buddy Benjamin, he decides to make fun of Titan. Uh, so... In his 1733 publication, he satirically uses astrology to predict Titan Leeds' death in October of that year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> With that hair, Benjamin. Come on. So, we don't know if, like, Titan didn't um, realize it was a joke or if it just, like, irritated the shit out of him, but it really pissed him off. So, he publishes a scathing indictment of Benjamin Franklin as a quote unquote fool and a liar. <laughs> Because he's like, I'm still alive. <laughs> um, Franklin continues to mock him, writing that his prediction was accurate and Leeds is now publishing his almanac as a ghost. Oh my god. The pettiness of this 18th century, like of these 18th century people, is hilarious to me. It's so funny. <laughs> I was just like imagine. <laughs> he's, this guy's like, this dude's gonna die in October and then the and then the other guy is like well it's October and I'm not dead so clearly you're an idiot and a liar and then he's like oh my god it's your ghost I know like well clearly <laughs> it's his ghost oh my god um so he so Franklin publishes further material like taunting him as a ghost and says he's determined to like haunt and torment him from beyond the grave <laughs> while he's very much alive <laughs> Uh, you know, you guys joke. used to do that to me all the what? time in college. You guys would all band together and pretend that I was dead and <laughs> be like, and maybe you weren't too much in on it. Maybe you had already left by that point, but you, I know it had happened because a lot of the time, all the friends in the theater group would be like, I'd start talking. They'd be like, do you guys feel like a weird chill? Like weird presence and one person would stare at me and be like like acknowledge that I was like there but they would still be like yeah if only Charles were here and everyone would pretend I was dead and it was so annoying because it would last for like 30 minutes because theater kids can take a bit and run with it for a long for time sure. 
I don't think I was around when that was going on, but I do remember pretending that you were in a coma sometimes, and we'd be in the middle of the conversation, and I'd just beg you to wake up. Oh, yeah. I don't like that either. Very existential. <laughs> uh, I loved it. It was very fun for me. Um, but yeah, apparently people have been, like, dramatic folks have been pulling this kind of shit on each other <laughs> since at least centuries. the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so... Uh, Franklin even continued to jokingly refer to Titan Leeds as a ghost, even after he actually died in 1738. <laughs> so oh just- my god! <laughs> Benjamin! Yeah. Um, okay, so basically, a few things combined to, like, make this Leeds family the possible origin of the Jersey Devil mythos. Uh, so first, um, just like the mother leads in the original myth, Daniel Leeds, third wife, had given birth to nine children, which is oh a God. lot of children. That's a lot of children. Yeah. Even for that time. And it's and this is all like real verified stuff. So um and Leeds second wife and first daughter had both died during childbirth, um, which like we didn't know that much about there's still a lot of mysticism surrounding medicine and like death so it's possible that uh the fact that his wife and his child died during childbirth could be interpreted as like some sort of like negative spiritual sign um so daniel Leeds, remember he was like a royal uh he was had allegiance to the british crown um and he was a royal surveyor so he had surveyed and uh, acquired land in the egg harbor area which was located within the pine barrens which is the place that the legend originated second the whole like blasphemy and quaker hate business from both daniel and titan meant that they were often referred to as evil and occultists um and it's kind of surmised that Daniel and Titan's reputation combined into sort of like one mythic man. Um, Additionally, Franklin's continual referral to Titan as a ghost may have originated or contributed to the local folk legend of a so-called Leeds devil like lurking around the pine barrens. (laughs) And uh, lastly, the Leeds family crest doesn't really help. So, in 1728, Titan Leeds began to include the family crest in his almanacs. Uh, The crest features a wyvern, which is a bat-winged, dragon-like, legendary creature that stands upright on two clawed feet. So, Regal, the man who came up with this theory that the Jersey Devil is a conflation of both Daniel and Titan as a result of, like, sort of a cultural telephone that happened over the years, uh, points out that the wyvern looks a lot like common descriptions of the Jersey Devil. Um, And the fact that the family crest featured a monster may have sparked more comparisons between the Leeds family, who were a very controversial family, and monsters or devils. Dragons. Another cryptid I believe, I think could have been real. (laughs) Maybe not fire breathing, but flying serpent-like creatures. I'm into it. It's like so spread throughout like so many cultures that like seemingly at like different times might not have touched i uh, i think they could have been real it'd be cool and dinosaurs hello yeah dinosaurs were real well well, yeah i'm gonna say it i'm gonna take a hard stance and say that that dinosaurs were real (laughs) 
I meant, I meant just like with the existence of dinosaurs. That's why I don't think that dragons are too far off. Um, but we all know that dinosaurs are more related to birds than to reptiles. Anyway, go on. But dragons could be too. I mean, they well, they could. Fly. I mean, they flew. <laughs> what? what <laughs> I don't even know how to describe the motion that we just did, but it's like that kind of after you're like done and you got to like move your body and your shoulders kind of go up and your hands are out to like prove a point. I think it's just or called like, a shrug. Yeah, yeah, yeah a shrug. Oh my God, no. Stop. <laughs> go on. Move on. Okay, so. Hold me, I'm scared. Um, okay, so a little bit about how the Leeds Devil became the modern Jersey Devil. So an oral history of the Leeds Devil can be traced back to the 18th century and even a written history as far back as the 19th. Um, An 1887 newspaper describes a sighting of the Devil of Leeds in the Pine Barrens area. And it stated, quote, whenever he went near it, it would give a most unearthly yell that frightened the dogs. It whipped at every dog on the place. That thing, said the colonel, is not a bird nor an animal, but it is the Leeds Devil, according to the description, and it was born over in Evesham, Burlington County, a hundred years ago. There was no mistake about it. Zip, zam, boom. It was real. Um, And it wasn't until the 20th century that today's version, the Jersey Devil, materialized. Uh, So Brian Regal, whose theory we've been discussing, he uh, wrote... Quote, during the pre-revolutionary period, the Leeds family, who called the Pine Barrens home, soured its relationship with the Quaker majority. The Quakers saw no hurry to give their former fellow religionist an easy time in circles of gossip. His wives had all died, so I guess his his wife, who had nine kids, went on to also die, as had several children. His son, Titan, stood accused by Benjamin Franklin of being a ghost. <laughs> this poor family. <laughs> This is so funny to me. The family crest had winged dragons on it. In a time when thoughts of independence were being born, these issues made the Leeds family political and religious monsters. From all this, over time, the legends of the Leeds Devil was born. References to the Jersey Devil do not appear in newspapers or other printed material until the 20th century. The first major flap came in 1909. It is from these sightings that the popular image of the creature, bat-like wings, horse head, claws, and general air of a dragon became standardized. End quote. All right. Yeah, because also I remember seeing, like, oh, sorry. I also remember seeing, like, uh, instead of, like, a a horse, like, like a donkey head, like that was also yeah like in between the head is always like some animal but it yeah it kind of changes depending um okay so basically copy pasted from wikipedia here are some encounters that people have had with the jersey devil Okay, so there's one early legend that while visiting Hanover Millworks to inspect his cannonballs being forged, Commodore Stephen Decatur sighted a flying creature and fired a cannonball directly at it, but when it hit the creature, it had no effect. Cannonballs are so dramatic. I love that. I know. I mean, the whole, like, uh, the 18th century seems just, like, so drama-filled. It really does. Very, like, big booms, ugly hair. <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. Almanac trouble. The oats. 
you know? Um, so, uh, Joseph Bonaparte, who is the elder brother of Napoleon. Wow. Um, is also claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while, running, uh, while hunting um, on his estate in around 1820. 20 years later, the Jersey Devil is blamed for several livestock killings. Uh, similar attacks were also reported uh, the following year, accompanied by reported sightings of tracks and hearing the sound of screams. Oh. So. Okay. Uh, in... Greenwich during December of 1925, a local farmer shot an unidentified animal as it attempted to steal his chickens, and then he took a picture of the corpse. Um, afterward, he claimed that none of the 100 people that he showed the picture to could identify what animal this was. Uh, on July 27, 1937, an unknown animal with red glowing eyes <gasps> was seen by residents of Downington, Pennsylvania. And it was compared to the New Jersey Devil by a reporter uh, who chronicled the story. Uh, in 1951, a group of Gibbstown, New Jersey boys claimed to have seen a monster matching the devil's description. And a claim of a corpse matching the Jersey Devil's description arose a few years later in 1957. Um, during 1960, tracks and noises were heard near May's Landing and claimed to be from the Jersey Devil. And during the same year, the merchants, the merchants around Camden area offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey Devil, even offering to build a private zoo to house the creature if it was captured. So for quite a long time, people really believed that this thing was around, like killing livestock, wreaking havoc. Even as recently as the 1960s, people were offering legitimate rewards That's for its capture. That's wild to me. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, another sighting of the Jersey Devil is considered to be an early example of mass hysteria. And this occurred during the week of January 16th through January 23rd in 1909. Um, so, during this week, newspapers of the time published literally hundreds of claimed encounters with the Jersey Devil from all over New Jersey. Um, and one of the like most famous uh, encounters publicized that week was that a, the creature attacked a trolley car in Haddon Heights at a social club in Camden. Uh, police in Camden and Bristol, Pennsylvania supposedly fired on the creature, but nothing happened, just like when they shot it with a cannonball. Um, and like m several people claimed to have witness to this event where the creature attacked this trolley car. Uh, other reports initially concerned unidentified footprints in the snow, but soon sightings of creatures resembling the Jersey Devil were being reported throughout South Jersey and as far away as Delaware and Western Maryland. The widespread newspaper coverage created fear throughout the Delaware Valley, prompting a number of schools to close and workers to stay home. Vigilante groups and groups of hunters roamed the pines and countrysides in search of the devil. During this period, it's rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo posted a $10,000 reward for the creature. Oh my gosh, this is wild. Yeah. Um, so when the... so And this all occurred during this one week in 1909. <laughs> just hundreds of sightings, including this like event that... like. A ton of people witnessed where this creature was shot by the cops and didn't even react um 
So when the Philadelphia Zoo offered that $10,000 reward, it prompted a variety of hoaxes. And one of those was that these two men uh, stole a kangaroo and then put fake claws and bat wings on the kangaroo and tried to pass it off as the Jersey Devil to claim the $10,000. Stop. People are so wild. Really? Like you think... (laughs) This poor kangaroo is like, what's going on here? And look, I'd be afraid to touch a kangaroo like that. Kangaroos are terrifying. They may be kind of cute. Kangaroos... No, they're so horrific. We don't even need cryptids when kangaroos exist. Like, that alone is scary Right. Enough. Like, have you seen they, one? Like, they just... They, they they punch. They're wild. They have these giant tails. Have you seen that, that video? Remember that video of that one that had a dog and a headlock? And the guy went up and punched it in the face? Oh, my God. Yeah. And then it let go. It just kind of like... Yeah, and it was like boxing the guy. Yeah. Well, he like... He punched it in the face, and then it kind of like shook its head like really and then the guy like kind of stuck up his hands even more and um then the kangaroo was like eh never mind and just bounced off kangaroos are menacing in a word Mm. horrific um look i don't want anything bad to happen to kangaroos but this is not a pro kangaroo podcast i mean it's it's a it's not an anti-kangaroo podcast either it's a it's um I, I maybe you're anti kangaroo. I'm, I'm a little bit just like. I don't want anything to happen. We like it. We we like them mm-hmm. from afar. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should like Australia from At afar, and we should all leave there. Get out. Doesn't seem like a good place to be. <laughs> it's a murder island. But so modern sightings of the Jersey Devil still exist to this day. There are still people that believe that it's out there lurking near the Pine Barrens. Most modern encounters involve things like livestock killings and unidentified footprints. But some people claim to have seen the devil himself. (sighs) And that is the legend of the Jersey Devil and the surprising Ben Franklin related history behind it. I know. (laughs) I've even seen the Jersey Devil once. Like I said, the head of Ben Franklin came swooping down at me, breathing fire, eyes glow with the red hellfire. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's why. Do you believe in the Jersey Devil? I want to. I want to but as well. I but I love. I. But I almost think the way that the that the legend came about is almost as interesting as if the creature was real. I. I love the idea that there was just this family that people hated so fucking much that they created a rumor that they gave birth to a devil who continues to haunt New Jersey to this day. I mean, that is also crazy, but I don't know. I mean, once again, I don't put it past some kind of large bird who's just sitting out there, maybe one of the last of its kind. Maybe there's two. Mm-hmm. There ain't because look. Or maybe it is like an ancient, angry creature. Yeah, and it, look, I'll bring it up in my story. But we discover a lot of the time weird, like prehistoric linked animals, either like as they died and finally like emerged, or and they're not like crazy. Like one of them is just like a fish, a turtle, you know. Um, but 
I don't know. Uh, I've never seen the Jersey Devil. And look, there are a lot of sounds from the woods that are pretty terrifying. And what they're made by, I don't know. Sometimes an owl, sometimes a frog, you know. But I don't know. I'm more more likely to be on like the side of maybe believe it. I said it. I said it. Oh my god. I love that for you. I love <laughs> I love that you believe. <laughs> I do believe in the Jersey Devil. I do believe in the Jersey Devil. <laughs> well, now he's going to appear in your window. Oh. I mean, I'm not mad. You you try to like make it your pet. Or date no, it, I just just my my like. my friend perhaps. If it's big enough, maybe it could take me for a ride. And it's sharp claws screeching through the night. Well, do you ever you think maybe like people just could be nicer to it instead of screaming like, "Ah, my livestock!" Be like, "Oh, were you hungry, friend?" <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. invited in. This is how you end up going on dates with people who may be killers. <laughs> Bowl of soup, perhaps. <laughs> killers. Um, episode 15, Serial Killers. Take a listen. Um, so listen. We love the Jersey yes. Devil. But um, flying across a hop, skip across the pond, we find ourselves with my legend. Okay? Um, but here's the first, would you rather... And I hope you have difficulty choosing. Would you rather okay. have the ability to turn into a large creature and make money and mystique off of your sightings? Or get to know and befriend a magical creature that only you and a select few have a true bond with? Can I talk to the magical creature? Or is it more like the relationship I have with Albus? I mean, I talk to Albus, but he doesn't It's a magical creature. Albus is not magical. It's a magical creature. Okay, so think like it can bless you. It can like give you riches. It can help you. It can take you on a ride, I don't know, through the sky. Like it it can talk. It's magical. It's got all all the bells and whistles. I think I would rather befriend the magical creature. You think so? Why are you saying that? Like, it's the wrong answer. Because I think that's what I'm going to (laughs) choose. No. Um, But maybe, I don't know. uh, This is hard for me to decide. Maybe I do want to be a large creature and make money and mystique off. Because that's also exciting. Like, just catch me turning into some kind of, like, large butterfly cheetah right and people are like no we've seen it we've Mm -hmm. seen it and i just like you know turn into it walk by people's houses and be like you know whatever sound it makes and right then you know have you take pictures of me but like blurry pictures turn it in make some money and be a legend you know that's also really exciting that is exciting but i would rather befriend the creature I want that, but I, you know what, honestly, today, we always do this like this is going to be the definitive decision. Like, at least in my mind, I'm like, whichever choice I make is the one that, like, when I'm presented with will be the one that I have to have now. Like, as if I'm going to be presented with Like, it's with happening it. for real. Yes. Um, but today, I think I, I would choose 
to be able to turn into a, a large magical creature, make money and mystique off my sightings. I'm into that. Okay. And I can even take you on rides if I'm a butterfly cheetah. Sure. A uh, butter cheetah. No, butter a cheetah fly. No. A cheetah fly. I think that's the best one. Or just call. Name-wise. Yeah. Um, so, this brings me to, like I said... You wouldn't want to be an aquatic creature? Oh, I mean, I like You're that so too. into the water. Maybe like, a, maybe like a selkie, you know? Turn into a seal. Mm-hmm. Which, if you guys haven't watched that movie, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. It's a good movie. What is that movie called? You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, I don't know that it's I've like seen. a an an animated film. Um, why did I say that like my mom? Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. It's so good, and I want to see the other one that they came out with. I don't know what that one is called, but now that you have Song of the Sea, you can find it. It's about like a like a werewolf kind of person, wolf walker person. Wolf walkers would would be the name of that okay <laughs> um uh, now we know both I, yeah i have to see that wolf walker one but song of the sea bailey it was so good you can rent it on youtube um it's really really good so i decided to do another famous cryptid i feel like that's the only way you should say cryptid um the Loch Ness Monster. Um, my sources were the crystallinks.com, Loch Ness, PBS Org, Nova article, the Washington Post, and Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Now, she has, or they, I don't know, gender, never been confirmed, doesn't need to be. Um, I has a lot of mystique around it, more than I even knew. Okay, I just thought it was like one picture and people are like, I don't know. Um, listen. So the Romans, okay? They came to Scotland. Oh, dang it. I forgot to mark what year it was. It was like really early, long time ago. Um, They came to Scotland and were met by this group of people called the Picts um, or the Painted Ones. Um, They're like a tattooed or painted clan of people. um, And they are known for carving like really ornate symbols into stones. And among them was found a large beast with flippers a long beak-like face and a long neck okay um so tangentially related in scottish folklore um something that i just thought is interesting to bring up um there's also another water beast okay known as a water horse or the water kelpie um they are magic but mostly known to have extremely nefarious and murderous intent um the kelpie lures a child or a person um it appears as like mostly a black horse some people see a white horse whatever um but it'll want you to ride it well listen the moment you grab hold of those reins you are stuck it charges straight towards the water and drowns you um not good so if you see a random horse in the night i could totally be like tricked by an evil animal yeah especially a nice looking horse wants to connect with me yeah i would go for it I would let it. I would let it kill me. See, I know, and like because I, I would be so happy that it chose me to like have a, a connection with. See, and look, me as a vegan, I'd be like, oh my god, it chose me. Great. Also, foxes, cute. Don't like the sounds. <laughs> I think it's cute. They laugh. So yelpy. I like it. So yelpy. Back to I the kelpie. 
I used to have a coworker that I called Kelpie. <laughs> um, her name was Kelly, and I called her Kelpie. Was she a horse? Uh, well, sometimes at nighttime. Um, she thought I was annoying, but also like liked me, which is a lot of people um very like older sister kind of vibe right um yes we know you too um but yeah i called her kelpie and she hated it at first but then it grew to be something she (laughs) putting that beanie over your headphones looks like you have the largest (laughs) mushroom head Anyway, um, yeah, she eventually grew to love the name. Um, but you know, when I was little, I didn't really know. I just thought it was like the Loch Ness monster. Like Loch Ness is one word, um, but um, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I figured it out later. It, it wasn't just today. Um, you might wonder what is Loch Ness? Um, it's Scotland's set, second largest loch, which is Gaelic for lake. Um, it is one of a series of interconnected murky bodies of water in Scotland. This is like cut and paste from Wikipedia. Um, its water visibility is exceptionally low due to high peat content in the surrounding soil. Um, and its deepest point is 755 feet. That's oh wow, deep. Um, and it contains water by volume more than all the lakes in England and Wales combined. Damn, she thick. I know. I didn't know how thick Loch Ness was. Very mysterious. Apparently, Scotland waters are very murky, just like here in my home state and your home state. Um, all man-made lakes. Very. Uh, Loch Ness is not man-made, but we're familiar with murky water. Um, mm-hmm. So, in the murky water, sometimes creatures. You, you know, you don't know what's down there. You don't know what's touching you. Sometimes you might see something peek out. You're not sure what it could be. Well, in the um, a first written article, we know about um, the Loch Ness Monster um, mentioned St. Columba, who is credited for bringing Christianity to Scotland. Um, he was visiting the Pictish people. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, when he was passing by Loch Ness, he saw a large creature about to attack a man swimming, and he called upon the power of God and told it to, and I quote, go back with all speed. And it did. <laughs> um, so the Loch Ness monster, afraid of God. Um, so the cryptid legend that we all know, though, is rooted more in like 1933. Um, a road was built on the northern side of Loch Ness, and a local couple reported to the Inverness Courier um, that they saw a monster in Loch Ness. This is when all the hype and hubbub starts. Another couple claims to see it appear on the land, and so now everybody is really like, we gotta get into this, okay? Like, we have nothing to do. It's the 1930s. We're all bored. Let's figure this out. So, London sends correspondents and uh, from their newspapers, and radios are broadcasting stories, and even one British circus, just like the Jersey Devil, offered 20,000 euros to capture the Loch Ness Monster, which is a lot of money. Do you think when they make these offers, they feel like it's never going to be captured or do you and so they're not super worried about it or do you think 
they really want the monster that bad. I feel like they really want the monster. Because at this time, especially... Well, what what year was your zoo offering? 1909. Mm-hmm. So, in so $10, this time... $10,000 was a lot of money. Right, and so in this time, zoos as well are a very popular thing. Um, very, like, everybody goes to them way more than probably they do now because it's just, I don't know. Um, they're very popular. And so, because, you know, there wasn't a lot of entertainment, especially, like, the technology that we have now. So, a zoo, of course, as one of the main forms of human distraction is going to try to have be the best zoo in the world and have, you know, perhaps mm. a famed monster. Uh, which we know, too, zoos also, historically, try to pass off animals as other animals, like that one Chinese zoo tried to pass off that they had this, like, rare kind of bear, and it was a Tibetan mastiff disguised as a bear. It was a dog disguised <laughs> as a bear. Yeah. When was this? pretty recent i feel like maybe around 2007 somewhere around there maybe a little later yes so in december a famed entertainment man named marmaduke weatherall who is famous for game hunting and acting what a name i know marmaduke weatherall he i was also a film director it said and he comes to the scene he finds, quote-unquote, fresh tracks of a big four-toed animal and guesses it to be about 20 feet long, and they made casts of the prints and sent it off to the Natural History Museum in London. So, in January 1934, we get the answer on what this print is, and it's shocking, it's wild, something we've never expected, a hippopotamus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but hippos do not live in Scotland. They've never been to Scotland. Uh, Hippos live (laughs) in warm climates of Africa and would never swim to the northern colder shores of Scotland ever. Uh, Africa is two thirds in the southern hemisphere, so they're going to stay there. No one really knows who caused the hoax, but since we do know that... um, Marmaduke was a big game hunter. We know it came from a stuffed hippo foot. And everyone does think it is Marmaduke Weatherall, who was the main man of this Why hoax. did I think, when you told me it was a hippo, why did, and then you explained that hippos wouldn't be in that environment, why was I like, yes, obviously that is concrete proof of the Loch Ness Monster. Like, <laughs> I did not go to stuffed hippo foot at all. You're like, that's it. It's a hippo. I didn't think about I it. Think there's no other explanation. It's just a weird hippo-like creature yeah. just hanging out <laughs> at Loch Ness. No, Bailey. Okay. Too cold. No. Too cold. Just like... Well, but that's what makes it weird. That would be weird to find a hippopotamus I, like, cold in weather. In my head, it was, it was like a, a a big creature with hippo. It was like a, a different creature with hippo feet. Oh. It never occurred to me that someone just took a stuffed hippo foot and made footprints. Yeah. yeah. Marmaduke gotcha. So, yeah, good. over the next... 
30 years, scientists had been discouraging the validity of the monster and all of these claims because people for quite a long time are making claims of seeing something at Loch Ness. And the scientists would chalk it up to optical illusions of boats and logs and other aquatic things like ducks and deer that swim across and otters. And the creature, even around the 1940s, develops the nickname, which I love, Nessie. And people were still talking about seeing a large Pleosaurus-like creature, which if you don't know what a Pleosaurus is, it is a dinosaur, sorry, not uh, not Pleosaurus, Plesiosaurus. I always say it wrong. Ever since I was a kid, I was like, it's a Plesiosaurus, or whatever I just said, Pleosaurus. It's a Plesiosaurus. Uh, it is, imagine, okay, you've got one big hunk of a body, okay? You've got a hump. Imagine like elephant body, but long brontosaurus head, and instead of the elephant feet, you just have large flippers, four of them, and a long dinosaur-like tail. Basically a brontosaurus with flippers, that's it. Um, like a long neck dinosaur with flippers. <laughs> I love how I had to throw in the elephant, too. So... People are still talking about seeing it, and I found this interesting that there are the people who are making these claims are all notable people of society. It's policemen, lawyers. They're all sober-minded people. Um, even the article well, mentions. Well, we know we can trust policemen well, and lawyers. We do. Uh, that it even mentioned like teachers and even a Nobel Peace Prize winner. I said that so quietly. Mm. Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> Uh, In 1957, a book called More Than a Legend is released. It is made by Dr. Constance White, spelt W-H-Y-T-E, which is the cooler way of being white. Uh, She collects eyewitness accounts and sketches of what people claim to have seen. What's wild to me, though, is how some people give up their whole livelihoods to track this thing down like this guy in 1960 tim dinsdale not as cool of a name drops his aeronautical engineer job after taking a film of the creature uh he then devotes his life to finding it uh which we all like all i can see is this old man who's like on his deathbed and he's like i know i saw it i know i did and like his family is like one of the family members is like i'll carry it on for dad like just uh, like i'll find nessie so yeah i just love (laughs) i love that uh but also i feel like the other family members are like dad was crazy and you're crazy too for believing it and i but i like to believe that nessie called his spirit home you know to go live Mm. in the deep loch ness maybe it's a portal to somewhere else it's murky. We don't know. So around 1958 and into the 1960s, hello, 60s, 1960s, scientists finally jump into the water, so to speak, to actually see if they can find something below the surface. Up until now, it's all binoculars and telescopes and cameras all above the water. But mm. now we discovered how to use sonar and echolocation. So, we have BBC and Cambridge and Oxford and the University of Birmingham. They all set out on Loch Ness to see what they can find with their sonar. And 
they don't find anything. <laughs> so they say. No. I know, very anticlimactic. Maybe they just want us to think they didn't find anything. Right, and maybe Nessie popped up and was like, look, you can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Scottish accent. Not too bad. Um, uh, I do love how it's like so many legitimate organizations and theorists get involved with these really popular cryptids. I do too. There's something kind of sweet about like humans' capacity to believe in things that are a little magical and desire to confirm them. It's kind of nice. Even the most analytical people from all these universities and like scientists, we all want to believe that there is something just a little bit more outside of our realms of what we know to be our reality. And I don't blame them. Look, the Earth is sometimes a terrible place due to human activity. So I don't, well, even sometimes, even the Earth, volcanoes, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, scary. Fire. Mm -hmm. Fire is crazy. So in 1970, the Boston Academy of Applied Science, led by Robert Ryan, set out to a new investigation to capture images of Nessie, and they develop a new sonar technique called side-scan sonar. They put it under the water near the shore, and a signal is sent out, and every 45 seconds, a strobe light flashes and takes a picture, <laughs> which all of these poor things in the water Every 45 seconds, are like, what is going on? Or they're like, yeah, <laughs> like just raving as the strobe light goes off and takes pictures. And, you know, Nessie, she's a raver. She loves. Oh, yeah. She gets into it. It was the best day of Nessie's life. <laughs> right. She was like, this is the best thing I've ever done to Loch Ness. Like, honestly, this neighborhood's really coming up. So <laughs> in 1975, they do capture something with what appears to be an aquatic looking flipper. And Robert was even backed by Harold Doc Edgerton, who was an MIT scientist, and naturalist Sir Peter Scott. Uh, Sir Peter <laughs> Sir Peter Scott gave us the image we all think of today. He include he concluded that Nessie must be a plesiosaur, and he even painted it. Which I have to say, it's a very good painting. Very, it's real nice. So. I went ahead and copied and pasted this just because it was too much to paraphrase. Um, this is from the same Nova article that I've been working with. Hashtag Nova PBS. Sponsor us. All those apologists have yet to conduct the full-scale investigation Ryan's hope to trigger. The lock continues to yield intriguing sonar hits. In 1987, an expedition called Operation Deep Scan... Uh, used a flotilla flotilla of so 20 sonar-equipped boats to sweep the lock with a curtain of sound, and the operation yielded three underwater targets that could not be explained. In the early 1990s, the BBC's Nicholas Witchell helped organize Project Urquhart, Urquhart, the first extensive study of the lock's biology and geology, which is cool. Although they weren't looking for monsters... The expedition sonar operators detected a large, moving underwater target and followed it for several minutes before losing it. And then during 1997, the expedition featured in Nova's Loch Ness film, Rhines and his longtime colleague Charles Wyckoff detected yet another puzzling underwater target. Although the expedition's sonar expert, marine biologist Anne Carr, um, she said it was a moving target and appeared to be biological in nature and about 15 long... 15, Charles, 
Are you having a stroke? Maybe. <laughs> Let me say that again. Um, according to the expedition's sonar expert, Ann Carr, she's a marine biologist, she said that what they did track was a moving target. It appeared to be biological in nature and was about 15 feet long and the size of a small whale. Now, how a whale would get into Loch Ness, I'm not sure. Uh, from what I read a little bit about Loch Ness, there used to be like glaciers and, you know, earth forming and warming and glaciers move and all kinds of things happen. I just had a theory. Okay. What if Nessie is a plesiosaur who was frozen in a glacier until it melted and now it's alive in the lock and she's the last living avatar <laughs> good for her so what about proof of Nessie right we're in the age of technology and what do we have on old dino babe we have the famed surgeon's photo, which you might not know is called the surgeon's photo, but it's the black and white photo with the little head peeking out of the water. That comes from the 1934 Daily Mail. So there's, like I said, there's a little protruding neck with a little head, and the photo was taken by R. Kenneth Wilson, and it was believed to be a hoax by many, but there were still a lot of people who believed it. Um, up until the year of my birth, 1994, it was apparently disproved so alistair boyd this is a little convoluted and it, the way the article explained it was very strange and i tried my best to piece it together so in 1994 is when finally we had some proof on why this photo was fake so alistair boyd used to be an art teacher in england and he also was an avid searcher for nessie he had a friend, David Martin, and Martin found a newspaper clipping from Ian Weatherall, who was the son of Marmaduke. And he claimed in that article that the photo was a hoax. And so Boyd took that and tracked down uh, Ian's stepbrother named uh, Christian Sperling. And so this is the stepson of Marmaduke Weatherall, the dude who put the hippo foot in the ground and um he said that marmaduke was so mad that they disproved his hoax and he was treated pretty bad by the people at daily mail so he wanted to get his revenge so he had christian and his other son ian build this uh famous you know the famous neck that we see it was like made out of wood and something else and they put it on top of a toy submarine and they sent it out into Loch Ness and once they got a photograph that was convincing enough they gave it to Dr. Wilson who was the surgeon who took this photo quote unquote so that it would be credible because it wasn't attached oh. to him at all um, to Marmaduke so up until then like that that really was only the besides the 1960s picture of the aquatic fin that uh old 1930s picture was really all we had of nessie and in 2007 and, and listen there's really not a lot of proof 
of this monster, like hardly at all. In 2007, there is a film captured by Gordon Holmes, who is recording sounds with a hydrophonic microphone. He was just like a researcher, scientist. He's doing his thing. And he saw some large swimming in the water, some large like uh, water trails. And he pulls out his camera and I watched it. It does appear to be something like very large, creating a big water movement. Uh, No head and no hump, but it is interesting. And I watched it on uh, some Scottish news channel. In 2012, another photo was captured with a gray-like hump that surfaced out of the water. But as the Telegraph reported in 2013, a man by the name of George Edwards, who operates a cruise boat on the lock, staged the photo saying it was just a bit of fun. I'm like, really? Why do people have to do this? Like, stop faking things. Just stop. You know, I ha- you have to admire how hoaxes have evolved over time. When we started at strapping claws and bat wings to a kangaroo. <laughs> to Photoshop, you know. Uh, so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people really give up their livelihoods for finding Nessie. And in 2015, a man named Steve Feltham, this comes from a Washington Post article, he gave up his whole life, his girlfriend, his family, his job to move to Scotland and find Nessie. And his conclusion that he comes to after like 24 years, I think, comes to that Nessie is a Wells catfish. And this is a real fish. It's huge. It's like 16 feet long. It looks prehistoric. And it is native to Europe, but was brought to Scotland to breed for sport hunting. And he says at the end of the article that he's still searching. He doesn't regret the last 24 years searching for Nessie. So good on you, Steve. Even still, nothing has been found on Nessie to prove that she or they are real. But I don't know. I still kind of like don't doubt that there's something that's living in the water that we don't know. And maybe not a prehistoric dinosaur that melted from a glacier like we just surmise now, but... I don't know. In that murky peat water that goes 755 feet down, there's something in there. And like I mentioned earlier, animals are discovered all the time. Weird ones. Yeah. I think they're more likely to be found in in the water, too, because there is so much that we haven't surveyed. I don't know. I kind of think Nessie could be real. Could be there. Could be something. I think also Nessie could be real. Yeah. And maybe not a plesiosaur. That'd be so cool if it was, though. I know, because they're cute. A plesiosaur is cute. But I'd rather it be something a little bit more magical. Okay. Like, you know that movie? Ever watch that movie, Water Horse? No. It's a good movie. But I but I know what you're talking I've seen the cover, so I'm aware of the creature. That'd be cool. I saw it in theaters. It was good. Then I rented it. It's a really good story. Thank you. That's honestly better than my whole account on Nessie. <laughs> I loved it. I There was a lot that I didn't know. I didn't know that that picture had been confirmed a hoax. I didn't know either. I mean, it, it was confirmed verbally. but Also, what is with all these, like, petty people? <laughs> like, that guy, Marmaduke, was so mad that they found out his first hoax that he enlisted the help of his sons to create a second hoax. And then, like gave the photograph to someone else just 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 right to be petty right and like not even like i don't not to gain any like 
fame from it or money or I don't know. It's just seemingly no money. I'm sure there might have been money involved, but it's just why go through such lengths to make some to make people believe that something is real that's not you know mm. very cult-like maybe, behavior episode six maybe, maybe the real monsters were the petty men along the way oh and i tell you what that's that's what man, petty men petty men in the world <laughs> that's what makes it a scary world out there so hold on to the people you love bye, bye. go find nessie go find the jersey devil oh and you know what before you go listen hmispod at gmail.com tell us some uh, urban legends or cryptids that you believe in or maybe that you've seen have you seen Nessie have you seen the Jersey Devil we want to know and we would love to hear it yes hmispod at gmail.com bye bye